listening to Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director at Health Innovation Media, publisher of ACOWatch.com, and your co-host with my partner Fred Goldstein, President of Accountable Health LLC, a Jacksonville, Florida-based consulting firm. On today's broadcast, our guest is Nicole Bradbury, Chief Executive Officer of the Florida Association of Accountable Care Organizations, also known as FLACOS. FLACOS is a statewide community of ACOs that come together regularly to share ideas and best practices. FLACOS's goal is to help member ACOs build and manage successful organizations in order to fully benefit from the changing payment models. To learn more, visit www.flaacos.com. On today's show, we'll get both a regional and national pulse check from Nicole on the state of the ACO market, or as more broadly cast in terms of value-based care initiatives, including an exciting announcement in that space. This is an encore appearance for Nicole for what has become an annual ritual, including a preview of the Flacos Annual Conference to be held in Orlando on November 7th and 8th, 2019 at the Omni Orlando Resort at Champions Gate. But before pivoting to Nicole, first a few words about Accountable Care. Since the Affordable Care Act was signed into law by President Barack Obama in 2010, its rollout has been anything but uneventful during the Obama years and beyond. Retooling a massive $3.7 trillion industry is no small task. Add health policy ambiguity and associated political trade winds emanating from D.C. and beyond, including a variable patchwork of state innovation initiatives, what presents as a complex challenge to healthcare leadership and constituent stakeholders scales to a transformational imperative that continues to challenge even the best and brightest U.S. operators actively pursuing the triple aim, that being better experience of care, better outcomes, and at lower per capita costs. As a principal workhorse in the quiver of innovation arrows, ACOs occupy a central role in the transformation of both healthcare delivery and finance. So tracking with the various derivative mutations and extensions of ACOs into various models of value-based healthcare is a line of inquiry worthy of continued and devoted study. So with no further delay, Fred, over to you. Let's get Nicole's take on what is most assuredly a dynamic and evolving marketplace. Thanks so much, Greg. And Nicole, welcome to Pop Health Week. Thank you. Always glad to be on this show. It's always a pleasure to have you get some great insights on ACOs and see what's going on in the Florida market and around the country. Obviously, it's almost a year now since we last talked. What's your sense of where ACOs are with the new legislation, et cetera? Well, I think, you know, there's a lot of you know, fear for what this means to take risks, but there's a lot of excitement. I think there's certainly a lot of movement in the space, you know, the pathways of success that came down in the last year and going live 7-1 certainly, you know, force those high revenue entities like hospitals to immediately take on risk or get out. And those that are low revenue, kind of independent physician led, have a little bit more pass before they have to take risks. But what I'm seeing is a lot of them that have been successful, especially here in Florida, are embracing it. And then those that aren't, you know, are, are sitting back and taking some of the early models, and, but, but are figuring out how to prepare for that risk. And 
I think some of that means aggregation, some of that means investment from outside entities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So your sense from your members and others, I know obviously here in Florida, they've done fairly well over the time and seem to continue to dig deeper into more risk-based models, but you're also sensing around the country that most of these companies are going to, or these organizations are going to stay in one form or another, whether that's merger or continue on themselves. Yeah, I I think, um, you know, certainly the number of ACOs and, you know, what those look like, there's going to be change. Probably ownership is going to change, but the number of patients that are being served, the number of providers that are participating, I don't think you're going to see much change in that. In fact, I think you're going to see growth. I just think that the construct of the entities that that oversee them, I think that's where a lot of the change is going to happen. We're seeing, obviously, with some other CMS announcements, the direct contract in primary care, et cetera, we're seeing these pushes to direct contract. Do you see the ACOs beginning to be more of a structure to allow for that? Yeah, I think that all that stuff is, you know, the new models are exciting. I, I, you know, I've always looked at Flacos and how we serve our members as a way to help them you know, down this journey of, of value-based healthcare, not just this MSSP model. And so these are just new models that really are very thoughtful on how we can bring more dollars earlier on. You know, one of the things that's always been challenging is the fact that you only get paid for your work, at, you know, every 18 months or 18 months after you finish the contract and so, or from the beginning of the contract. And so that's been challenging because it's been hard to, pay for all the infrastructure and, and costs that comes along with running these ATOs. And so I think CMS has been very smart in how can we bring some more upfront dollars, how can we mimic a little bit more how MA works, especially in, you know, the Florida markets where a percent of premium, there's a lot of dollars that are paid upfront and, and ongoing versus having to wait to the end. And so I think a lot of that is, is coming and is exciting. And, and I think you're just going to see these ACOs pivot to to these new models, or you're going to see other entities come in that are going to maybe change the makeup of what we currently think of as an ACO, but all good stuff. And so you're really beginning to see these, uh, you talked about these, uh, the Medicare Advantage kind of stuff and these more of a prepaid model See, with next gen, things like that. You go to that, you think most of the ACOs, particularly here in Florida, obviously that we're used to that a bit, but around the country moving in that direction as well and feeling comfortable taking on that kind of risk. Well, I think you're going to see bigger entities come in. I mean, one of the things that, that, you know, may be challenging for the people that are in it today is that they're allowing the private sector to come in and own, as well as insurance companies that have traditionally led MA, but not any, have anything to do with the fee-for-service side. They can now come in and own these entities. And so I think you're going to get a lot of capital infusion because of that. And I think you're going to see some competitiveness for this, these members and these docs from these new organizations that are entering. And so I think maybe if there's any fear, it's not that value-based healthcare or these models are going to go away or, you know, this momentum is going to slow down, but who's leading them could certainly change. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's probably what, you know, the, the owners and runners of, of ACOs today probably should be more afraid of than anything is, is can we compete? It sounds to me like what you said that some will begin to see perhaps from a marketing perspective ACOs trying to sell against each other much more publicly. Well, you know, I'd hate to see that happen because I think, you know, it's about getting more and more patients into a value-based contract and there's enough patients within doctor's panels today that aren't on 
value-based contracts, and I think that should be everybody's focus. But, you know, reality is reality and the market's the market. And I do think you're going to see competition and people trying to take other ACOs, physicians, and therefore their patients. And I think probably more, you know, the challenge is going to be these new entrants. They're going to come in and form organizations that haven't been in it before and, and, and figure out ways to be a capital and, and resources that currently isn't available are going to be able to come in here and truly be competitive and, and gobble up docs and patients. So, yes. But I hate to see it happen. <laughs> right, right. You know, they're, you're obviously gung-ho on ACOs. They've proven very well here in, in Florida. There's some data out of California to begin to show some really good results. But there really has been mixed. What do you say to the naysayers? Well, you know, think about why Florida has been so successful. Think about why, you know, Texas and California has got results as you know, they've been in traditional managed markets and they're familiar with with these type of models and they know how to be successful in them. And I think, you know, much of the rest of the country just hasn't had skills or the ability to um, do the same kind of things, you know, at least pivot how physicians treat patients, et cetera. And then you add to, the, to that, the cost of care is probably less in those markets, there's less opportunity, and so it wasn't as easy, you know, low-hanging fruit, much less the experience that wasn't there. And so I think you have all of that that was against them. But now that you've got these models proven and working and certainly driving down costs in in these markets, you're going to see the leaders and the people that made money there start to creep out into the rest of the country. And so maybe the folks that were running them in the rest of the country might not be leading them going forward, but I I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see partnership going into those markets from outside that know how to do this stuff that that start to to bring more and more value-based healthcare there. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to stay fee-for-service. See, what I'm hearing a lot of is MA is trying to go in those markets, and one of the ways they're doing it is to start ACOs or, or looking at these new direct contracting models because it's a way mm-hmm. for them to get mindshare, and mm-hmm. then they're hoping to flip them to MA. I don't know that I agree that they're going to be as successful flipping them to MA, but the fact that they're going in and they're bringing these patients and these doctors into this new model of thinking and working is going to change those markets. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And do you see that brain spreading or expertise spreading around the country coming from companies that are more like an Allidade? Or are those things that perhaps some of these regional ACOs are going to start to say, hey, let's take what we got and grow it out there? I think you're going to see both, and I think you're also going to see EMA, and I think you're going to also see Walmarts and Amazon and, and traditional payers who now can put these models, you know, through CMS have now are now allowed to own these type of models. I think it's going to come from all points and all of the above. Great. And there's also been this move uh, by some of the larger corporations, as you mentioned, the, uh, you know, Walmart now doing a commercial ACO with uh, contract uh, with Oshner in, in Louisiana, and I think they have some other states as well. Is this going to be sort of a pivot for some of these larger employers as a direct contracting opportunity? I, I think so. I think, you know, direct to employer stuff is happening, you know, in lots of markets. I think you've got, you know, traditional MA payers that are trying to go into the people services. I've even seen a blues organization trying to grow MA through starting an ACO, you know, uh-huh. and, and how interesting is that? Just because they think they can convert over time those people service members into MA, but they might find they might have profit and premium coming from, not premium, but, you know, the shared savings 
revenue mm-hmm. coming from an ACO that might make it worth it in and of itself. But regardless, as they go in, all these different entities we just talked about go in, they're going to change how physicians deliver care to their patients. And they're going to create services and wrappers that are going to impact patients and how they you know, interact with the health system. And all of that is going to change and it's going to create results that haven't been seen before. And you're going to create expectations that I just don't believe that we're going to we're not going to end up with more and more and more patients in value-based care at the end of this. Right. And I think, you know, obviously there are a lot of different models for that, whether it's an ACO model, the hospital setting up a, uh, their own MA plan or or physicians going globally capitated. It's really sort of, I, I don't want to f- refer to it as a rush to risk because there's certainly plenty not rushing, but I think ultimately that's the direction we're heading. I, I agree. I completely agree. And, and that's really always been the kind of charter mission of FLACOS is really to help our membership move down this continuum to more and more value-based healthcare. And so, you know, whatever it looks like, whatever model it is, it really doesn't matter. It's really moving down that, that continuum. So, you know, from your experience, Nicole, for those who have perhaps struggled a bit with their early efforts in, in their ACOs, whether it was MSSP or most of them, um, did, what should they be looking at? Are there cultural issues within their organization? Is it uh, operationally? Is it trying to move providers? What, what do you see as sort of the top things they should be looking at? You know, it's all of that, you know, for sure. But I think it's wrapping services around their physicians versus trying to change their physicians and doctors. You know, everybody's kind of gotten into this and said we need to transform doctors and, and how they deliver clinical, clinical care, et cetera. And I, I just don't think that's worked. And I think the ones that have been successful are the ones that really said, okay, how can we do some of this stuff for them? How can we add services? How can we change not what the doctor does, but how we coordinate care between that? And so I think that people are really starting to latch on to that. I'm seeing so many companies that are all about care coordination and, and how do we deliver services around doctors versus all of this stuff changing doctors. And that brings in creative analytics and focused analytics. It brings in other resources outside of the practices to help. And I think all of that is really where I see a lot of the success. It sounds like we're talking about population health. We're actually putting that stuff in. Is that it? (laughs) well, Well, exactly. It is that. And I think everybody says population health. You ask you know, five people on the street, what population health means, but you probably get a different answer. But to me, that's what it is. It's, it's how do we look at this population holistically, not just the people walking into the doctor's office, and how do we help figure out who needs to get in and then help get them in there versus trying to change how the doctors and the practices work today. And I think the people that have had the most success are the ones that realize that the doctors, for the most part, do the right thing once the patient's in front of them. How do we right. how do we help get them in front of them? And I think that's that's you know that that epiphany shouldn't be such an epiphany, but I think you know where you where people see that is where there's been the most success in this space. Yeah, and interestingly, I'll, I'll ask you this: I'm not sure if if you've seen this yet or not. There's been a, a big push suddenly from all these healthcare systems, hospitals in particular, to say, "Man, we're focusing on social determinants of health." We're getting out in our communities, housing, food, this and that. Are you hearing any of the ACOs begin to discuss that? Oh, sure. Yeah. I think um, behavioral health is a huge one. The understanding that behavioral health issues are, is probably one of the leading causes of, of physical health issues. And in 
coupling those things together and coming up with solutions around behavioral health is, I think, almost every entity I talk to is, is concerned with that. And then more of the smaller social determinants around transportation and, and you know, housing. I guess housing is not really small, but things like mm-hmm. that, if, if we can help solve some of those things, then that's going to have a ripple effect in their physical health care, which brings costs down and, and brings quality up and, you know, achieves all the things that we're trying to do within um, accountable care or value-based health care. And let's switch over a little bit to Flacco's. Maybe give uh, the audience background on how that started and where it's at right now. Sure. Well, when, you know, the first ACO models by CMS back in 2012 first were approved and and were kicking off, um, you know, I was one of the people that started one of the early ACOs. I just, you know, looked around my own state, which was Florida, and said, wow, this is the wild, wild west, and everybody's doing their own thing, and no one's really the expert in this space, and but everybody's trying to get in it and be part of it. And so I had formed the Florida Association of ACOs as a way to just kind of bring this market together, to bring these people together so we could learn from each other. You know, we could not only learn, but we could help each other. We could bring best practices in. And over time, that meeting meant bringing the best vendors together to help, you know, with solutions. And it's really become just a great network place for the innovators and leaders in this space to get together once a year. And you guys have been part of it, you know, from almost the very mm-hmm. beginning as well. So I think you would agree that it's a pretty vibrant group of people that are really pushing forward and on these type of things. You know, started really with MSSP, but has grown to be so much more. Right. And I think, you know, each year you really up the game and have brought in some incredible people every year. Any idea on who's coming in this year? Uh, well, I have uh, Anish Chopra is our day one keynote, and he was former CIO of the United States. He you know, certainly mm-hmm. been involved in opening data for innovation in healthcare, and, and in fact, he's got a company that he's taking the entire Medicare claims database and allowing ACOs and other entities to um, really understand the doctors, their delivering healthcare today, how are they, are they ready for risk, where are they against their peers, that kind of stuff is really helpful as you're recruiting and bringing doctors into these models. And so he's going to be our day one. Can't announce by day two yet because I haven't finalized it, but it might be someone very in the CMMI group, you know, someone very in the know, and maybe he can shed some light on what's happening there. As far as our panels, you know, we're trying to always have two tracks. And Day one is really nuts and bolts, how to be successful in value-based healthcare. And then day two is really focused on these new models and, and, you know, what's coming and how to be successful and how do you expand into commercial KCOs, how to bring your specialists in with bundles and forward-thinking leaders within value-based healthcare. What's next? How do I think a year out and make sure that I'm ready for that versus the track one, which is really what, how, how can I make this mm-hmm. model that I'm in right now successful or more successful. And so I think it's going to be a great, great conference this year. Yeah, I think uh, I should point out that you always, while this is the Florida Association of ACOs, this conference really has a much bigger draw because it has a much broader look in terms of who you bring in. And obviously the fact that Florida itself is successful, the majority of ACOs here have done very well. And so there's a lot to be learned by those in other states coming into Florida and, and spending some time at the conference. You really put together a great group. Thanks. We are launching this year a new entity called Value H, 
And it's really embracing what you just said, which is we have been very successful in not only the state, but in, in, in going outside of the state of Florida to draw in people that really want to learn from Florida, but also just learn from the, the experts that show up. And mm-hmm. so, you know, Flacco's is now part of a broader entity called Value H, which its mission is across all stakeholders trying to bring those stakeholders together around this space called value-based healthcare. And I think as you come to the conference, you'll, you'll hear more about that. Well, well, that's fantastic. I guess I guess you heard it here first, right, Nicole? Value <laughs> and this new group. Value H, dot com. If you want to get a little teaser. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're we're breaking news right now to bring you an important announcement. It's uh, that's, that's really great to hear. And obviously, you talk about something that's it's a broader group of stakeholders, right? Because it's ACOs, ACOs that may be going to other risk models, they may want to be looking at other people going into risk models and vendors as well that this will encompass. Uh, it's um, it's payers, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. those people focused on social determinants, it's employers, it's all the entities, CINs, physician health organizations, you know, IPAs that are trying to pivot. It's all of that. It's how one group that can come together and figure out how to work together in order to be successful in this change and movement towards more and more and more value-based healthcare. Well, I, I really applaud you for that. I know, uh, you know some of the other work we're doing on the employer side with some groups, Validation Institute is all about moving people to value. And obviously that encompasses a lot of different approaches, requires a lot of different expertises. So it's fantastic to hear you form this group and looking forward to seeing how that impacts the conference as well this year. I'm sure it'll uh, bring in some different people. I hope so. Yes, and thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Are there any things you see on the horizon that really excite you or that get you uh, really jazzed up about where we're going in healthcare? And any things that potentially scare you or have you worried that maybe we're not going to get there? So I, I, nothing scares me you know, other than I, I think it you know, might not go as fast as I hope, you know, but that's just the nature of, of expectation versus reality. <laughs> it never, moves, never moves as fast as you hope, right? But as far yeah. as what excites me, I think, you know, we talked about a lot of them already, but, you know, the, mm-hmm. the direct-to-employer stuff, the, the new models coming out of CMS, the fact that for the first time, some of the commercial payers are even leading what's coming out of CMS, some unique approaches. And, and I just think all of that at the same time, just hopefully will speed up how fast this movement happens. You know, certainly the hospitals are lagging behind because they haven't figured out how they don't stay blockbuster and miss the opportunity to become Netflix. You know, they're still struggling with that one. But more and more of them even are, are at least putting their toes in. You know, they're focusing more on whole person care, you know, high touch in order to brand them as the one that cares so they can offset some of the pull from these entities that are navigating their patients to where they want them to go. But the hospitals, I think, are going to get there. But if anybody's lagging, it's probably them. But as far as this movement, I, I think I think it's happening. And, and in my opinion, it doesn't matter which model pushes us down to the right. Mm-hmm. I do think the independents, I hope they survive this aggregation and this entree from other entities that can come in because I think they uniquely can push more and better outcomes for patients. But at the end of the day, I think it's about getting everybody off of a fee-to-service contract into more of a value contract. And if that happens, it really doesn't matter, in my opinion, how it happens. Mm -hmm. And do you think we get to the point where the hospitals are actually looked at, looking at themselves as, hey, I need to empty my beds, but I'm going to be okay because I've moved to a risk-based contract that allows me to still have some sort of a margin? 
Well, I mean, and that's really the journey they have to make is, you know, how do I get dollar one in my physician health organization and my beds become a cost item? Right now, mm-hmm. the beds are a revenue. And I'm seeing it slowly happening, you know, um, not as fast as, you know, one would hope. But I think the push from the outside entities that are being formed is, is forcing them to get there. Mm-hmm. So give us a little sense of where the conference is at this year. I know it's November 7th through 8th in Orlando. It's in Orlando again, you know, our favorite little central part of Florida. We're going to have it at the Champions Gate again, which is where we had it last year. They just have a great venue and a great space for us. And so we decided to have it there another year. I'll probably change after that. And if you want more information on that, you can go to either valueh.com or you can go to flaacos.com. And registration is open, and hope this one's going to be even bigger than last year. Well, fantastic. Last year's conference was really excellent, and I know uh, both Greg and I are looking forward to coming down for this year and learning and participating as well. So thank you so much for joining us again, Nicole. It's always great to have you on. You're welcome, and I can't wait to see you in November. Fantastic. I'll turn it over to you, Greg. That will be the last word on today's broadcast. I want to thank Nicole Bradbury, Chief Executive Officer of the Florida Association of Accountable Care Organizations, also known as FLACOS. For more information on FLACOS, go to www.flacos.com and follow the association's work on Twitter via at FLACOS and Nicole via at Nicole Bradbury. Be sure to check out the agenda, schedule, and list of speakers for the upcoming Flacos Annual Meeting via www.flacos.com forward slash annual hyphen conference. This year's keynotes include Anish Chopra, president of Care Journey, founded in 2014 under the belief that our nation's transition to value-based care is an important one, but one without an operating manual that can reliably deliver on the promise of better health care at lower cost. Anish previously served as the first Chief Technology Officer of the United States. He was appointed in 2009 by President Barack Obama and was at the White House through 2012. Additionally, Flacco's conference attendees will hear from Sanjay Dadamani, MD, MBA, Senior Advisor and Medical Officer at the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, also known as CMMI. Dr. Dadamani is former Geisinger Health Chief Medical Officer for ACO and home-based care. So do mark your calendars for what will be an exciting and informative event. For Pop Health Week, my colleague Fred Goldstein and Healthcare Now Radio, this is Greg Masters saying, bye now. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.